When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, this is Abby Kay, and you're listening to The Hook Rock, the ultimate rock community podcast with Jay Scott. What's happening? What's going on? How you doing? Hope you're having a great evening. It is Thursday, Friday Eve. Getting ready for the weekend. Lots of cool stuff happening around here. Got a lot of concerts that uh, are going on for the next few days. Tomorrow night, got Miles Kennedy, Tyler Bryant, just over the border in Wisconsin. I know you have Guns N' Roses and Mammoth tonight at Wrigley, but... uh, I might be heading up to Milwaukee Saturday night for Mammoth and GNR. Wrigley is just, for those who've never been, it is, uh, it's a mess. And I, I've gotten to that age where I don't want to put up with traffic anymore. And going down to Wrigley tonight for a concert, it's, I just want no part of it. I just want to be able to get in somewhere and get right back out. The thing with Wrigley is it's in the neighborhood, right? It's in Southport, which is north side of Chicago. You know, it's a, it's an old school baseball stadium where they put it right in the middle of a neighborhood. And, you know, when they're, when it's full, when it's 40,000 capacity and you go, it takes forever to get there and it takes forever to get out. And I just don't have the patience anymore. I'm I'm becoming old and grumpy, but whatever. Uh, so hopefully Saturday night, able to uh, make it out there. It's 50-50 at, at this point. Definitely going Friday to see Miles Kennedy and Tyler Bryant. Sunday, going to check out the Dead Deads at the House of Blues. 
so that should be exciting too as well. Tuesday, I saw the Struts and Nick Perry. Uh, I got a review that's focused on Nick Perry coming up this weekend. Of course, the Struts are the Struts. They're a great band, phenomenal stage presence. They just really bring it. Very entertaining. Nick Perry was awesome. I'll talk more about Nick in the review. Uh, but if you if you have a chance to see that bill coming around to your area, you got to go check it out. Both heavyweights in the emerging rock scene. Great songs, great talents, and please go check that out. Also, we'll be having a review of the new Tremonti album coming out, I believe, that comes out on the 24th, I want to say. So be on the lookout for that. It's a great album. We'll get more into it on Saturday. So lots of new stuff coming up. We've got our quarterly review Rankings coming up first week of October. I know a lot of you love that episode, love that ongoing series that I do with Chris Corradetti. You can follow him at CO underscore Mountaineer on Twitter. Great dude, great perspective. And, of course, we do the list with the rest of the Groove Council, which I'm a part of kind of like an offshoot thing on Twitter that we would talk about new music. So it's a really good time. Once again, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Great music family to be a part of. Music podcast family to be a part of. Great podcasts. Something for everybody. There's a Bob Dylan podcast. You've got Shout Out Loudcast, Cobras and Fire, Martin Popoff, Carmen to Peace, Vinny Apice. Just some tremendous stuff happening on Pantheon. Like I said, I love being a part of the family. Rock and Roll Archaeology is another one. Go check that out. Follow us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook, I should say. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us wherever you do podcasts. And please download the episodes. Subscribe to that. So whenever a new episode drops, it goes right into your phone, which is pretty cool. And you get the latest and greatest Hook Rocks podcast episode. So please download them. Always a chance to hear a different perspective from the guests we have. Thank you for the great feedback by the way, on our latest episode or episode we released earlier this week with Rob at Skylab Tapes on Twitter, our resident Hook Rocks audio expert. Just a tremendous episode. We all stream music or 90% of us stream music. It is an unfortunate reality for music fans that the physical copy is becoming less and less available, especially as CDs, vinyl is becoming more prevalent. But we talk about the quality of sound, the sound quality of streaming services and why that's important and where you should be going to get that high sound quality. Is it Spotify? Is it Apple? Is it Amazon? Is it another service? Check out the discussion, like I said, dropped this past Tuesday. Hope you uh, enjoy it. Love your feedback. Seems to be resonating with a lot of you who are listening. The numbers have been great on the show. So uh, we, we do appreciate that. We've got a great guest coming up here. A return to the new music spotlight. Let's get into it. We'd like to welcome back. Gosh, it's been almost two years, I think, since we've had our next guest on the Hook Rocks. Obviously, we all know a lot has happened 
in between his last visit and now. Uh, and I'd like to welcome in Chris Lane from the New York band Station. What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming back on, man. I'm so excited about the new album. I had a chance to listen to it. Loved it. Loved just Thank the you. the the music, the lyrics, the arrangements, the vibe of the record. It is it is just tremendous. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I'm really I'm really proud of this album. I, I I would say it's actually probably my favorite station effort to date. So I'm really excited to kind of share it with everybody. Now you guys self produce this. What was, I mean, was that just a, a circumstance of what was happening in the world that you guys just decided, hey, let's crawl into a bubble while everything is going on and let's just make this record? Um, so, you know, we've actually self-produced all four of our LPs, but the difference is, and, I, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, what's different here is that we self-made this album. Like, it's not just the production, it's everything. It's the engineering, and it's the mixing. And we did that on stained glass to a smaller extent, but this was, like, full on. And um, what it, you know, it, it was one part uh, circumstance, obviously, because, you know, it was hard to get together uh, for a little while there. But um, the other part of it was just that we invested in the ability to record everything ourselves uh, right after More Than the Moon and our second album. So because we had that now, it, it opened up a ton of doors because we could spend the time doing things that mattered to us and not just having to like look at a clock and say, like, I got to get this done because my day at the studio is ever is over. So, you know, it really um, it really influenced our ability to to take the time where we thought we needed to take time and, you know, produce something that we were very happy with. As far as the music goes, what was the idea of, of writing this time. I mean, there was so much happening, you know, it's, it's, you're limited to getting together and to, you know, having that face to face, you know, commitment to creating music. What, how did you guys overcome these challenges? Well, the music was actually written before the pandemic started. So, it's funny that I think it's actually, especially the subject matter is, is pretty appropriate in the sense that like a lot of the songs are, are very much about um, evaluation. You know, they're about perspective and they're about looking at different parts of your life and kind of understanding where you fit in them. So what really changed when, when the recording process changed, because, you know, again, pandemic, we couldn't get together. We couldn't be in the same room safely. Um, we started to see what we actually cared about and focus on that. So I think that the change in kind of like our routine and our schedule, it actually influenced what we went heavy on with the record. Like, I feel like this, this record has a lot more um, atmosphere to it, a lot more headroom, a lot more space. And, you know, I don't know if that was just us being trapped inside of our houses and needing to feel like we were in a much larger environment, or if it was us learning about ourselves and saying, no, this is actually what we really like out of a record. We're going to focus on this more, you know? You know, you mentioned that you wrote the album and the songs prior to the pandemic. It was produced, you know, during the pandemic. When you're writing stuff before 
all this stuff has happened. You know, whether it is, you know, COVID-19 and dealing with that, whether it's the election, whether it's, you know, the turmoil and the protests last year, and you're and you're yeah. going through all that process and then you're you're you know producing it or you're you know pre going, you know, writing the music before everything happened, then you're producing it while everything is going on. Do you ever feel like the music maybe lacked the connection or was you know, was there just a different way of, of having that perspective, as you mentioned? You know, that's actually, it's a fun, that's a good question because that's a really funny thing that we talk about a lot. So, um, you know, think about a cover song, right? You know, an artist comes out with, with their version of the song and then, I don't know, 20 years later, another artist covers it. You know, the style of music that cover is, is, played in is different. Uh, the technology available 20 year gap is different. You know, I mean, it could be a difference of analog to digital it could be that some new technology was invented, whatever those things influence then the recording of that cover. So very frequently we feel like because we write so much music and there is a gap between writing the music and recording it, that different versions of ourselves cover the songs we write. So like to your point, a lot of these songs were written in 2019. You know, the 2020, 2021 versions of us recorded those songs. So it's kind of like a connection to your past where you're kind of like reinterpreting the same message, but it's just through a different lens because, you know, stuff has happened and time has gone on and, and you've been influenced in other ways. So that, that's kind of a funny thing is that we, we constantly feel like we're covering ourselves because it's like we're reinterpreting what different versions of us kind of said and wrote. To remain connected to those songs and, you know, with the outside influence of everything happening, did you find yourself going down a, a, a maybe a darker tone or a different tone of what you had imagined the song to originally be? Um, I wouldn't say darker. I would say that the biggest influence was, uh, <laughs> okay, it's going to be a weird term, but like I would say weirder. Um, I feel like we actually got weirder on this record in the sense that because we had a lot more time on our hands to kind of experiment, we did things that we wouldn't normally have done because they weren't as quote unquote obvious to us. So like we have a track on this record called All Over Again. And originally it was meant to be kind of this like ballad that flows into a slightly more funky, heavier thing. And as we did that, it got funkier and weirder and we used different effects. And I, I remember, you know, I'm the guitar player. So like, I remember a lot of different combinations of guitar pedals and rack effects that went into saying like, Oh, this is what the guitar sounds going to be. I think that had it been a different time, I would have been like, let's go with this sound. And it would have been a lot more um, easy to kind of like create that signal path and, and create. So, you know, I think that, that the, the gap definitely makes us weirder because we, we take more time to experiment with it and, you know, come up with something that we've never heard before that we like. You mentioned the, you know, the cover song analogy about how, you know, it, it, it's different the way, you know, it's interpreted and played and all that. And also, too, whenever you write a great song, everybody always says a great song stands the test of time, and that is 100% true. Yeah, but, I agree. But really, a great song allows 
you to evolve or it evolves with you, right? You know, so if you write a song pre-pandemic and then you're recording it and that song still resonates with you and still connects with the band, that's a mark of a great song because it it evolves when you're evolving too as, as well. Do you feel the same way? I, I do actually. Um, and thank you. You know, I mean, I, I very much feel that good music allows the listener to fully put themselves into it. You know, I write, I write the majority of our music and I, I can honestly say that probably no one other than me truly understands what I'm talking about. There are lots of inside jokes and references and things that only, and unless you've lived as Chris Lane has, you're just not going to understand. And it's not like it's not, it's not any problem. It's just a matter of like, it's about my experience. So I think that music should allow you to come to the song, come to the music, put yourself in it and say, Oh my God, I've recognized something about myself. I've realized something about myself. It's a mirror to be able to see yourself. You know, I mean like how many songs are about one thing and people use them for other purposes, you know, like, like every breath you take, right. Isn't that song about like a stalkerish kind of government? I guarantee you that tons of people have it as their wedding song. Probably not the right, the original intention, but like because it meant something different to them, they put themselves in it and they saw something that they wanted to take out. I think that that's the case of musicians playing music too. You know, I mean, the cover song, you know, you, you put yourself into this framework that you feel so strongly about and then you pull it out in a different way to make something new. And I think that that's really the value of art in general. It's true, you know, I mean, because you're growing as a person, right? I mean, you're filtering in all the experiences of life as you move forward. And songs stay with you, right? And, and a song that you liked, you know, for me, you know, I'm, I'm 46. So a song I liked as a teen or as, you know, in, in my early 20s, I still connect with it, but it has a completely different meaning to me. Like, it's a completely different perspective because right. I've lived my life. And when that happens... That is a truly remarkable song, right? And it's a truly remarkable song when you, like I said, when you write a song before, you know, the shit hits the fan, you know, per se, with with everything going on in the world. And then you're recording it. You find yourself producing it and recording it for an album, and it's still connecting with you, but you you may have a different perspective on it. It may resonate differently with you, and that's magic. Absolutely. You know, you know that that is really, when you really can capture something like that, that's pretty special. Yeah, no, I mean, it's that's, that's the big payoff of being involved in the arts. You know, I mean, some people find that, you know, reminders of things that you grow with are painful. Um, you know, I think it's more of a, a photo album. You know, I mean, uh, it's a very interesting experience to relive something as a different human being the way that you might have done differently a decade ago. It's, a, it's an interesting experience, but it's, it's in my opinion, it's, it's one of the most valuable things. The album to me is filled with hooks. It's filled with melodies. It's it's what station brings whenever you listen to them. And you know, during a time when things are very serious and very just stressful, you know, it, an album like this really connects with people like myself because it is it does make you feel good. It does, you know, just the way you're singing the songs before they end. You know, you're picking up on the choruses, the hooks, and that's really important, I think, with music today. Music needs to be therapeutic. It needs to help people escape from what is happening. 
when you're writing music and you're being and you influ, and you have influenced by other bands that allows you to make the music that you make is is that always you know part of what you're trying to accomplish is have a good time and make people feel good um well i think that that's definitely a byproduct of our aesthetic you know i think that feel good sound good have a good time is just inherent in rock and roll i i do think though that it you know the kind of music that i like to make is music that is you know appropriate for multiple occasions so it's one of those things where it's like i have i have always kind of taken the approach that does the song allow you to you know headbang and rock out feel something learn something reflect on something and possibly dance and you know i mean i don't think it's very common that the boxes are checked in every single instance, but I do think that a, you know a song that allows you to check a, bo- a different box at every different time, that's the value. You know, I mean, so if you're listening to it driving, you know, 80 miles an hour with the top down, and you're getting the sensation of the rush of a good time, cool. If you're going through something tough, and if you're going through something sad, or or something that you need healing with and understanding the song from a more lyrical standpoint helps you with that well that's great too but i think the same song can do both it just depends on the context of which you're listening to them so you know for me i like to write music that i want to hear and i think that it probably speaks to my mental state or emotional state i guess based on the kind of song i write because that's kind of what i'm going through at the time when we last spoke you made a very interesting point on what is happening in music today. And that was that the scene that used to be local to where you live, New York, Chicago, Philly, California, wherever you were, now the scene is global. And I remember you saying that, and that really stuck with me ever since we had that discussion. Now that things are moving forward again with music, with live performances, and there's such a plethora of great music being released in 2021. That still that still it resonates with me. And I think because of the pandemic, it allowed bands, it allowed music fans to connect with newer artists that maybe they hadn't discovered before. Have you found that there's been a difference or there's been a swell in interest in bands like station and rock music in general over the last year and a half? Um, that's tough because I don't know if there's been a change or swell necessarily. What I think has changed is I think that people have become so inundated with the C word content that they're starting to get tired of it in certain ways. You know, like one of the things that Station has a very hard time with is, you know, we like to make music. We like to make art. It's important for us to make art. We are often in a position to say, well, you know, in addition to the art, is there content? And for me, content is something that you consume. And when you consume something, you ingest it and get rid of it. I want something that's going to last. So I think that what's kind of happened, especially since, you know, obviously with a limited amount of things to do is, is that you can go down like, you know, an endless road of cat videos on the internet in today's world, which is fine. And, you know, they're harmless, but 
eventually you probably get to a point where you're kind of like, all right, I want something that's not just, you know, going to sustain me for three seconds. You want something that's a little bit more um, important to the soul. And I think that music does that. I hope that it has like that boomerang effect where people start investing in music. And, you know, that does start at the local level. It's, it's, oh my God, I I experienced this thing that's important to me. Saw a local band, um, all that. And it's not to say that, you know, a, a major label, larger artist that comes a different way is not important either. I mean, that's just as valuable. So I hope that we're going to see a swing back to, you know, I want to invest in music. The problem, though, is that it's very loud right now. It, it, there's a lot of volume out there, and it's because of a lot of things that are just available. So cutting through that noise is just getting tougher every single day. I've often asked myself about the impact on social media with music. I mean, we, we talk about TikTok or Instagram or Twitter, and you're able to, to post these snippets of a song or a performance, and it gets a lot of likes, it gets a lot of views, and it's, you know, people, you know, seem to connect with it. But my question has always been, does that result in ticket sales, album sales? You know, is it just like you said, that short-term gratification that someone gets, oh, that's cool. How many of those people who view that stuff then go to that band or artist webpage, buy their merchandise, buy their album, you know, whatever the case is, I don't know if we were able to quantify that yet. I mean, what's your, you know, to hate to use, you know, the, the pun, but what's your perspective on that? I, I don't know if I can answer that because I think it's case by case. Um, I do think that if you do something and you repeat doing that thing well that you get, let's just call them customers, you know, it becomes, okay, well, you do the thing that gets the thing and they give you the thing and those are the things. And, and you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a pretty simple transaction in that way. When you need to kind of like advertise yourself as, something else like for instance like a band you know so you're a band your job is to make music and perform music and the key word is music but you're also tasked with the idea that you also have to become a social media celebrity in order to get people interested in that music i don't think that that's actually the case i think that it's more about giving people an insight into who they want to know more about you know, like, I mean, for me personally, I'm a huge fan of the Beatles and a huge fan of Pink Floyd. Those are two different bands in their accessibility by like miles, right? You know, I mean, like, like for me as a guitar player, Dave Gilmore is like the peak. And I love hearing him speak about guitar and, and you know, fuzz pedals and delay. I am reasonably sure that my sister, who likes Pink Floyd, but is not nearly the fan that I am, would just fall asleep listening to him talk about those things. It's just not interesting to her. So it becomes a conversation of like, okay, well, wait a second. Chris Lane, super into guitar, super into music, really invested in Dave Gilmore from just, you know, every level of of his musical experience, wants to know every single little thing. And I, I would be lying if I didn't say that if some video circulated of like, this is what Dave Gilmore has for breakfast, I might be interested in it. It's finding the balance though, between being like, okay, 
not everyone needs that in-depth look and all that quote unquote content that they really want to consume. And then also being like, okay, but this is something that is just generally entertaining. This is something that on social media where lots of people congregate, people want to see. It's a tough balance because it just depends on what you're doing. Because I would argue that, you know, the guys in Pink Floyd were probably slightly more interested in just crafting the masterful music they made than making sure they captured Dave Gilmore eating breakfast. It just depends. You know what I mean? So, like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like for Station, we spend a very significant amount of time working on music. And we kind of probably at, you know, at our detriment, we kind of back burner social media a little bit only because we're, we just, we need to work on the music to make the music we want. You know I mean? It's very time consuming and we really don't want to ever sacrifice that for something that we're just, you know, we're a band. We do music. Let's do the music. It has to be frustrating too. You know, when you mentioned, cause you want to make music, you want to create and you also, you know, you have to become this social media savvy, you know, entity, you know, chasing, you're, you're essentially chasing streams and subscriptions and follows and all this stuff because for whatever reason, someone made it up that this is now what matters, right? This is now what's important. And, you know, it's a, it's a lot different than years ago where the, the, the focus was really just on the music. And now a band really has to be, you know, a jack of all trades, an expert you know, on several different things, whether it's trying to get followers to, to come in and watch their videos or listen to their music on whatever streaming platform and going to their show. It has to be, I mean, you know, this is something that really needs to be mapped out by a band and taken into consideration. And it, it, Do you ever find that it takes away from creating? Oh, all the time. I mean, it's, it's a business decision at this point. You know what I mean? It's how much time do you allocate for something? Um, a good analogy that I that Pat and I have kind of like used to kind of explain this is that it's kind of like driving the bus. So imagine that you're a band and you're going to be on the road and you have a bus driver, like someone to take you from show to show, drive your vehicle. What does that mean? Well, maybe you spend the time in the bus, you know, being crazy, partying, whatever that means. Okay. Or maybe you spend the time working on music. Maybe you spend the time uh, writing your novel. If you have to spend the time driving, it is literally eliminating time that you had to focus on something that you thought was more important. It's like that with everything else. You have to get to the gig, you know, you have to get the bus moving. But if there's only one person and it's you that's able to drive the bus, you have to make the decision about like, okay, well, it's worthwhile to play the show, so I do have to sacrifice that novel I was writing. I do have to sacrifice time working on the songs. I have to sacrifice the social element of the band that I was so interested in, and that's why I formed it. It's like that with everything. Bands today are, you know, musicians are expected to be able to do everything. And, you know, I think that a lot of people focus a lot on things that are other than music, and I think that that has taken a toll a little bit on the music industry. Not everyone, but... It has, in my opinion, changed what is acceptable in terms of like, oh, wow, I like this. I like that. And, you know, I don't I'm not saying that station is the greatest or the worst or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's like it's up to everyone who listens. But 
we feel that our time is best spent working on music. And, you know, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say that that's also what gives us joy. And I'm very much of the uh, perspective that life should have joy. So I, I'm really interested in working on things that make me happy and not things that just, you know, make me want to bang my head against the wall. The new album perspective out October 8th. What's next for you guys? Are you, is there a tour being planned? Are you still kind of waiting to see what's going on out in the world in terms of where you can tour and how you can tour? That is, that is such a hard question right now. Um, we've had shows that we thought were going to happen, not happen in the future because they've been canceled proactively. Um, we're playing a show in New York City, and I feel very good that that's going to happen. So I'm looking forward to that. As far as like real touring, you know, like, like what touring meant prior to March 2020, I, I think late spring is realistic. But then again, at the same time, I mean, if we had this conversation in April of 2020, I thought November was realistic. So the world's changing so quickly that like we just have to be ready to pivot when it tells us to. Um, I do think, though, we're at a point where the idea of station not playing shows is gone. You know what I mean? Like, like obviously like that was a thing for a very long time last year. And I think that now talking about 2022 as terms of some kind of normalcy, consistency, I feel good about saying that. So um, I think that if you want to see station live, you will be able to in the next year. You were recently mentioned or the band was recently mentioned in guitar world, uh, along with bands like rival sons and the struts. Yes. A very, you know, big honor. Guitar World is, is, a, is a great magazine for guitarists, for musicians. And they labeled you guys, you know, the new wave of classic rock. Um, I, I love the intention of that. I love how, you know, because I, I, I do think it's in the right place. The issue I have, and because I have a 16-year-old son, I, I, I hear it from him. You know, the classic rock thing. He loves you guys. He loves a lot of rock bands. When it's defined as the new wave of classic rock, it's like, well, no, my dad's music is classic rock. My music is rock. How do you feel about that label that they put on? Or not just them, because there's a lot of places that do it. But how do you think about that new wave of classic rock label? I think that classic, the word classic, has come to mean something different. And I think that you just need to evolve with it. Um, You know, one of the things that I think has changed is that classic used to meant a time period, right? You know, like, like classic, you know, when I grew up, I, I grew up on Long Island. So I grew up listening to like WBAB, which plays classic rock. And when I grew up in high school, classic rock was Zeppelin and the Beatles and Rush and, and all that good stuff. And in today's world, it's still that. Plus I've heard Whitesnake songs on them. I've heard Queensryche songs on that radio station. So you know, they've, they've evolved in the sense of like classic means older, right? I think that now classic might not just mean older, it might mean the style of rock. So whereas like, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like with, with quote unquote classical music, you know, like there are different periods of that kind of music. There's classical, there's romantic, there's Baroque. Most people, if you say Beethoven, they don't say, oh, well, he's a romantic composer. They say, no, no, he's classical music. It's a little bit of a misnomer, but it, you know what it means. It means something that, you know, the average person will connect with. Well, it's got strings in it. It's got organ. It's got movements. 
there's, you know, unless it's an opera or an aria, it's probably an instrumental. I think that that's kind of what that means now. So I, I would say that I feel pretty comfortable saying new wave of classic rock because new wave of classic rock might mean guitar focused, power chords, guitar riffs, guitar solos, wailing vocals, melodic choruses. You know what I mean? Like, I think that, that that's basically what that's going towards. It's kind of like classic is more of the genre than it is the time period of rock and roll. How excited are you right now? with where rock music is headed well um i love being listed with those bands i have a ton of respect for the bands that we're listed with i think that right now rock music is is not where i would like to see it in terms of popularity but i think that the good part about it is that pop music is and i think at best rock and pop live very happily next to each other because they borrow from the same elements. They just present themselves a little differently. You know, like Sweet Child of Mine is an awesome song. It's not a rock song. It's not a pop song. It's a song. And Guns N' Roses took that song out of the air and made it rock and roll. There are tons of acoustic pop covers of that song that sound just as good. So for me, I think that the fact that the public and most people seem to also still be positive on pop music, it just it just means that our style of rock and roll has a chance. I think that the, the real tipping point is going to be when the aesthetic, the I like guitar solos too, I like distorted guitars, I like, you know, past kind of like scream kind of vocals, high pitch vocals, you know, wailing on top. I think when the aesthetic start to be better received that's when you'll see you know more of the rock and roll as we kind of like think about it come back into the limelight chris this has been a great conversation once again thanks for doing this of course thanks for having me i'm always happy to talk awesome the new album by station is awesome it's called perspective and it's out october 8th that's the lead guitarist chris lane i'm jay scott this is the hook rocks take care stay safe stay strong and we will talk again soon It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.